From a, a whole life perspective, I feel like everything has changed. I feel like I'm a lot more motivated to just up-level everything I do from work to my personal life. I, I feel like I have a lot more confidence personally. I feel like my business is looks a lot more professional from the inside and to the outside. Because when you're when you're charging premium prices, you know, with your clients, they're going to expect a good service and premium service. So looking at it from that perspective, I think has has really helped me just shift my mindset around around everything. Nothing can spook an entrepreneur's confidence like setting a price. As soon as you come up with a number, your inner critic goes into overdrive. It's too high. They'll laugh at us. It's too low. It'll bankrupt us. Is it really worth that much? Who do you think you are asking for money at all? What if they can't pay? What if I lose sales? What if I'm wildly successful and I can't keep up? As my grandmother would say, good grief. <laughs> if putting a price on your products or services, let alone raising your prices, makes you want to run and hide, all that mental chatter is a good excuse. You're listening to What Works, the show that takes you behind the scenes of successful small businesses so you can discover what's really working without the hype or gimmicks. I'm your host, Tara McMullen. My guest today is no stranger to this incessant mental chatter around pricing. Abby Herman is the founder of Right Solutions, a content marketing agency for service-based business owners who want to gain visibility for their businesses with personalized content strategies and implementation. Now, when Abby started out, she priced her work so she could guarantee she'd get paid, even if that meant getting paid next to nothing. She had bills to pay and a child to take care of. As time went on, though, she discovered that pricing her work the way she was just wasn't working. Abby and I talk about how she ended up working for so little and what she needed to do to raise her prices. We dive into all the feelings that came up around raising her prices and discovering the real value of what she was offering. And the best part? Abby shares how up-leveling her prices and services has inspired her to up-level every other aspect of her life, too. This candid conversation with Abby is part of a whole series we're doing here at What Works on Confidence. We want to shed light on how small business owners continue to find confidence long after they've taken the leap to get started. Throughout this month, you'll hear about finding the confidence to come back after a major loss, experiment and iterate, stick with the plan, and land giant clients. When we're not posting new conversations here on the podcast, we're sharing personal essays and reflections from What Works Network members on how they find the confidence to take the next step. To get the full series delivered to your inbox and check out what we've already released, go to explorewhatworks.com slash confidence. That's explorewhatworks.com. Dot com slash confidence. Now let's find out what works for Abby Herman. Abby Herman, welcome to What Works. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to talk today. Absolutely. Let's talk about confidence and money and specifically pricing, because this is a topic that drives so many people crazy. It causes so many mistakes, so much heartache, so much like actual hard living conditions, I think, <laughs> unnecessarily. Um, and so I'd, I'm just so grateful that you're willing to share your story here and the kind of the transformation that you've made over the years. So let's start at the very beginning. How did you determine the prices you set when you first started your business? 
So I started my business in 2007 um, as a side hustle. I was a full-time teacher um, and also a single mom and struggling to make ends meet as a teacher. I was already doing everything that I possibly could to make extra money (laughs) in the teaching realm. And so I started looking for freelance uh, jobs that I could do, uh, freelance writing, And the first position that I found um, was doing website updates and website copywriting um, on an hourly basis. And I was told how much they Mm. were going to pay me. (laughs) And uh, this was in 2007. They were willing to pay $9 an hour for doing this work, which I actually felt like was a win for me just because of where I was financially at the time. And I just kind of went with it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean... There are a lot of jobs I think that you could have gotten in 2007 that would have paid less than that, right? <laughs> and would have oh, left you, sure. yeah, and would have made you leave the house um, to go do them. And if you're a single mom, and that's not going to work, right? Exactly. Um, yeah, so I can totally relate to like, okay, nine dollars an hour. Yes, that is a victory. I am going to do that. I'm going to lose sleep over writing these articles. Like, I totally understand that. And at the same time. Like, is it enough? Is this actually working? Um, So I'd love to hear kind of what the sort of like the subconscious or even the conscious, but like the mental dialogue in your head at this time, like what was going on in your head? What was going on maybe even in your heart that led you to accept that uh, kind of that price tag on your time and on your work? So at the time, I wasn't at the time, I just needed to make money, I just needed more money. Um, (laughs) And I was okay with a $9 an hour, not even considering the fact that I might turn it into a full time business at some at some point. Mm -hmm. Um, That hadn't even crossed my mind. It was just I felt like it was a win. As I continued working for that company, which I worked for them for probably longer than I should have um, (laughs) for a long time, even after I went full time in my business in 2013. um, I continue to work with them. Um, As I continue to work with them, I I learned I, I used it as an opportunity to learn anything and everything I possibly could about the online business world um, and writing content for for the for the internet. Um, I learned a lot about marketing, I learned about blogging, I learned about um, how websites worked. So even though I knew that I was very underpaid, I still thought I felt like it was a win. Um, Eventually, I started looking at other jobs. Um, I started pitching jobs on places like Upwork and Guru.com. And um, there was there used to be a website called Freelance Writing Gigs. I don't know if it's still around. Um, But I would bid on projects there and I would lowball them. And I would get called out on lowballing them. (laughs) Um, Just because I wanted the work, I needed the work. And um, on some of the sites like Upwork and Guru.com, you need to have reviews from clients who you've worked with. And at that point, um, when I started looking there, I didn't have any reviews. I had no network. I had no online presence. Um, eventually, I, I, you know, created a website that, you know, wasn't very good, but I created a website for myself just so I would have something out there. So I knew that it wasn't sustainable to be underpaid in that way, but it, I just didn't, I didn't 
realize it at the time. I couldn't, uh, I just didn't realize it at the time. I, I think I knew in the back of my head it wasn't sustainable, but I thought, well, I'm making money and money's mm-hmm. coming in and I'm able to pay my bills and I feel more comfortable financially. So I'm just going to keep doing it. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. Like this idea that you know it's unsustainable and at the same time it's the only thing sustaining you, right? Yes. Like you uh-huh. you can't continue to work like this for the next 15, 20, 30 years and at the same time you've got to keep working like this so that you can keep putting a roof over your head, putting food in your mouth. Mm-hmm. And that is a really tough position to be in. And I think it's a real quandary for so many small business owners at all sorts of different stages, even in their businesses. So I'd love for you to kind of fill in the blanks here a little bit. Um, You mentioned that you started the business or you started freelancing in 2007. You went full-time in 2013. What led you to actually going full-time or, and how did you kind of work up to being able to fully support yourself with this business? (laughs) <laughs> well, the fully supporting myself did not come in 2013. Okay. No, that, that's where I quit my job. <laughs> um, honestly, it was a combination of things that prompted me to leave teaching in 2013. Uh, part of it was just some personal drama going on in the background where I just wasn't fully present when I was at, at school trying to teach uh, eight-year-olds. Um, Part of it was uh, the economy and where it was at the time. I hadn't seen a raise in five years. My paycheck kept getting smaller because of state retirement and because of health insurance costs. So it was just really frustrating. Um, And then just the state of public education in general. Mm -hmm. Um, I was frustrated. I was done with it. And working for the, the company that I originally started with, you know, they were very supportive in allowing me to uh, learn new things, like I said. And I just thought, you know what, I, I could do this. I, I can do this. Um, I don't know how, I don't know what it's going to look like, but I can do this. And then uh, something happened at school one day. Um, I, I don't remember what it was, but something just sparked and I thought, I'm done. <laughs> and I literally resigned the next day, oh, finished wow. out the school year had no, I, I had no nest egg. I had nothing saved. I had a good chunk of student loan debt. Um, and it was really scary. And it was like months before my 40th birthday. And I thought, oh my God, what am I doing? <laughs> I'm going to be 40 and I have no job. Um, but I just needed to take the leap. And I, and I did. And it was really scary. Um, but here I am in 2019, almost six years to the day after, as we're recording this, six years to the day of me leaving. So... That is incredible. So what was the mix of work that you had like then when you quit teaching and started working for yourself full time? So I did uh, website updates and and website copy. I was writing blog posts for people. Um, I was actually also doing some curriculum work. So mm. I, have, I have a master's in education. So I was doing, um, I was writing uh, like test prep guides and things like that. Um, and then I was also doing some curriculum correlations. So it was basically you're looking at curriculum and state standards and the common core standards and trying to align them so that the publishing companies can sell their product to uh, states and to large school districts. So it's doing a lot of different things. And I, you know, obviously, as things have progressed, I, there are a lot of things I don't do anymore. Um, the curriculum work is one of them. Uh but yeah, it was, it was who's going to pay <laughs> and, you know, who's going to accept this project that I'm, that I'm bidding on. And yeah, that, that's kind of 
the approach that I took. I was doing some social media management too. Mm. Um, just lots of different things. Yeah. So it sounds like you're still kind of cobbling everything together. Um, mm-hmm. even though you were, you were just cobbling more of it to- <laughs> together. Yes. So, um, somewhere along the lines here, you had to raise your prices. You had to ask for more. Can you tell us about the very first time you raised your prices? Yes. So I think when you don't have a background in business, you do not know what you don't know. I mean, I knew that I had to pay my taxes. My sister's a CPA, but I didn't think about all of the other things that you have to do in your business, like Mm. marketing your business and keeping your financials in order and developing products and services. And so um, I knew that, like I said, it wasn't going to be sustainable to continue to make $9 an hour and and $18 for blog posts that I was writing. Um, So I learned about this thing called a business coach. <laughs> and I eventually found and hired a coach um, that kind of walked me through the process of raising my prices. And when I first started working with her, because I knew, I knew she was going to tell me, you've got to raise your prices, <laughs> like now. Um, and I told her, I, I could, at the time, I couldn't afford to lose any clients at all. I felt like I, especially since I was full time at this point, Um, I was actually thinking about going back to, actually, I did go back to work at the school that I had left um, briefly. I lasted two months and then left again forever. Yeah. Um, And so I bought a package with her um, that about killed me to make the investment. And and it wasn't even that much. But um, she walked me through how to figure out what my, you know, quote unquote, ideal hourly rate is, you know, based on Mm -hmm. Um, how many hours I wanted to work a week, how many weeks I wanted to work a month, you know, the fact that, you know, I had a child who wanted some attention from time to time. (laughs) Um, And so she walked me through how to raise the prices. And from there, I just, I started raising prices. I, I didn't raise the prices with my current clients at all. I started raising prices with the new clients that I was bringing on because I was so terrified of, losing anyone. And for me to, you know, raise, you know, my prices, even by a fraction, I was afraid that somebody would say, nope, that's too much, because they didn't see the value in what I was doing, which that's another story, but I wasn't doing a good job of communicating my value. Um, So yeah, so anytime a new client came on, I would raise my prices just a little bit. And, and, and it worked, you know, for, for the time it worked. But I was still doing, I was still doing too much. I was still doing all of the things and not um, niching down into what I really uh, am doing now. And I wasn't niching down into the types of people that I was working with. I was still just, you have a writing project. All right, I'll do it. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. I'm Again, that sounds super familiar. I'm sure lots of people um, can identify with that situation. I'm curious about, uh, you said that's another story, the idea of not quite communicating the value that you were providing. Uh, can you tell us more about that? Yeah. Um, so I, and, and this kind of, this kind of was the big shift for me in my business. So I, people would post, on, I was still working on places like Upwork, Upwork and Guru and even Craigslist. I was still finding clients there. Um, I was finding clients, by this point, I was finding clients in Facebook groups and other communities that I was in. And um, they needed a writing project. And so I would do the writing project. There was no, uh, 
there was no talk about what the strategy was behind it, the reasoning behind it, uh, where the the piece of copy that I was writing was going to go, what it was going to look like. There was none of that. It was, I need this written. And I had said, okay, and I would do it. Um, and eventually I started to, it started to feel icky. Um, I wasn't, I knew that some of the things that I was creating were never hitting the internet ever. Um, emails were not being sent out. Um, website copy was not making it to the website a lot of times. Blogs, you know, maybe they're getting published, but they're not doing the sharing. They're not, and it wasn't even really geared toward what their ultimate goal was in their business. And so it started to feel really icky. It was like copy on demand. You'll hear what happened when Abby realized the writing she was getting paid for wasn't actually getting published and what she did about it. But first, a word from our What Works partner. What Works is brought to you by Mighty Networks. Want to know the secret to creating more impact with your business while working less? Connect the people you care about to each other. Bringing people together is the magic ingredient in every success story in the digital age. Think about it. If you create connections between your followers and offer value through those interactions, your brand actually gets more useful with each new person who connects. When you bring people together, you're creating something much bigger than yourself, your podcast, your YouTube channel, or your Instagram feed. The savviest influencers, podcasters, content creators, educators, and entertainers are focusing on how they can connect their fans and followers to each other not just build an audience. And that's where Mighty Networks comes in. Mighty Networks gives you the power to connect the people you care about most, your followers, fans, and customers, and it acts as the central hub of your business operations, bringing your content, courses, relationships, messaging, events, and even payment processing together in one platform. We use Mighty Networks to power the What Works Network. We've seen firsthand just how much more value we can create by helping small business owners connect, build relationships, trade notes, and deep dive on their most pressing business challenges. And Mighty Networks has drastically streamlined our workflows too. Ready to connect your followers and create a lasting impact? It's time to get started with Mighty Networks. Get started free of charge by going to MightyNetworks.com. That's MightyNetworks.com. So eventually I decided that they need to know, business owners need to know um, why they're creating a piece of copy. Uh, you know, create content to go out there for a reason, to for a goal, you know, to have a goal in mind and have a strategy behind it. And so I made a pivot. This was about um, two years ago or so, maybe two and a half years where I stopped working with clients on a on-demand basis and I worked with them on a retainer basis where we were actually creating a strategy and talking about their goals so that I could get more information about their business and so that what I was creating was actually making an impact for for them. And I, and it made me feel so much better about what I was doing. And not only that, but I was able to raise my prices again um, based on that. And, and at this point I was able to raise my prices across the board. So I raised my prices on with all of my clients um, because I communicated that value that I was bringing to the table that was so different than just them having to come up with these ideas and then saying, okay, I need this written. 
when it wasn't going to do any good for their business anyway. Yeah. So I know this sounds like probably a strategic change or a business model change, maybe to a lot of people listening, but I know that underneath all of that, there is a huge mindset shift going on because what you're describing is essentially that you had a business that was very transactional before. Mm -hmm. You know, people literally were buying words on a page instead of ideas and in a retainer model with a relationship oriented business, which is what you're describing, you're selling ideas as much as you are selling words on a page. And that requires a really big shift in how you think about your work, the confidence required to deliver on that. Mm -hmm. I would love for you to describe sort of the, yeah, I guess just describe that mindset shift for you. What was going on in your head? What was the self-talk like as you were literally transitioning away from that transactional work and into much more strategic relationship-oriented work in the retainer model? So I think I had to spend a lot of time talking myself up (laughs) to to get to that point. Um, It actually took me several months to get to that point. So I did. So I started, you know, when I decided to make this change and to make this shift, again, every new client that I brought on, that was the shift that I that I made. And there was actually one client in particular who came on who really, um, she and I actually talked about my decision to make this shift. Mm. And uh, yeah, it was really interesting. And so she encouraged me, which was great. And I'm still working with her now. So I had to talk myself up and I, I started dropping hints with my clients. I didn't want, I didn't want anything to be a surprise. Um, I wanted to give them time to make a decision on whether or not they wanted to stay with me. So I started dropping hints and kind of talking to them every, I meet with my clients monthly. And so every time we got on a call, I would say, Hey, this is what's coming up. I don't know what it's going to look like yet, but I want to be of of service to you. And I want to be a partner. I don't want to just create this copy. So um, I started, you know, talking to them, then I would send to them, you know, a list of these are some of the things that we're going to be working on starting January 1st. And, and I feel like that really helped. It helped me to get more clear on um, what I, you know, what I was going to be doing with clients. I'm, I'm really one of those people who when I make a decision, I just do the thing. I've done that with buying houses. I did that with quitting my job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've done that with a lot of things. So uh, I didn't, I wanted to make sure that I thought this through. So I started talking about it. And then eventually we made the shift. And I think it was like mid November of 2017, 16, I told uh, my clients, okay, this is what's going to happen starting January 1st. And this is what it's going to look like. And this is this is the price. Um, That really helped me to make the shift, make sure it was comfortable for my clients. And then comfortable for me too. And yeah, I was terrified. I was still terrified. Um, It was still scary. I mean, I think anything, anytime we do something big in our business is scary. Any pivot change, whatever we do, it's really scary. But um, taking it little steps at a time and dropping those tidbits of information to my current clients helped so much. Can you describe the retainer package that you offer now? So yeah, I do. um, i I've essentially stopped creating website copy unless it's somebody who I, you know, already have on retainer. So I do content marketing. So I help people with their strategy. And um, then I offer a couple of different levels of packages, whether they want 
um, if they have a podcast or a blog or a YouTube channel, um, that's what I call like their their primary, uh, you know, primary piece of content. And then we kind of work the rest of the content around there. I will tell that I don't do the social media posts, but I will tell them what they should be posting on social media based on what their ultimate goals are. So we determine their goals. We, um, we or I will map out the content that needs to be created to meet those goals, you know, 12 weeks down the road. And then um, I either will create the content for them and, and do all the loading and implementing with my team, or I just tell them what to do, and then they go off and do it. So it really depends on where they are in their business, what kind of support they need. Um, and then we we figure out you know what the retainer will look like from, from that perspective. And can you give us a, an idea of the range of price that you put on that package? Yeah. So if you have uh, two pieces of primary content, so whether that's two, it usually would be like a podcast or a blog, um, and you have weekly emails that go out to your audience, which I highly recommend, Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) it's about $1,200 a month. Um, And then that goes up to about $2,400 a month or $2,300 per month if you have weekly, you know, primary pieces of content that go out. Got it. And how does it feel to say that in a podcast interview? (laughs) Good. It feels great. I mean, you know, like three years ago, I would have said, oh, it's $250 a month. And, you know, and I would have been working myself silly. Yeah. (laughs) So it feels really good to be at that point where I have, you know, multiple retainer clients who are at that level right now. Yeah, that's awesome. So I'd love to just kind of from a, almost from like a bird's eye view, can you, can you share how confidence has sort of played into this evolution? Because of course, that's our, our theme for this month. How has your confidence grown, changed? How have you rec- realized maybe new levels of confidence um, since beginning this freelance slash small business owner journey way back in 2007? I mean, you know, from a a whole life perspective, I feel like everything has changed. I feel like I'm a lot more motivated to just up-level everything I do Mm -hmm. from work to my personal life. So I... I I feel like I have a lot more confidence personally. I feel like my business... um, is looks a lot more professional from the inside and the outside uh, because I've been able to, I mean, because when you're, when you're charging premium prices, you know, with your clients, you, they're going to expect <laughs> good service and premium service. So I feel like um, it's allowed me to, or almost forced me to at one point um, be a lot more streamlined in my communication with them Um and helped me to position myself as more of a partner versus a, you know, you know, I don't call myself a freelancer. I'm a business owner. This is my job that I do every day. Um, and I, I do, quote unquote, go to work every day. Um, so looking at it from that perspective, I think has has really helped me just shift my mindset around around everything. I love that. Can you tell us one thing that you have up leveled because I love that phrase and I love how you put that that you're more motivated to up level everything. I put a big star around that in my notes <laughs> because I totally I man, I can totally resonate with that. And even 
like just even still now, like a, a new level of confidence or a new level of realization in my business will prompt so many personal changes. Like the ripple effects of that is just massive. What's one thing you've up leveled in your personal life that you were able to do, not just because of like the financial results of it, but because of the, the confidence results of having up leveled your business this way? So I'll tell you two things, okay. because I think two two things I've really changed in the last couple of years. So one is uh, my health. I feel like, and, and I've always been active. I've always worked out. I used to be an ultra runner, um, but I did not take care of what I put in my mouth. Uh. <laughs> and so I have really, actually, I really have shifted that this year in the way I eat and the way I just take care of myself is so different than it used to be. And that makes me, it makes me physically, I mean, you know, from yep. your, your own journey, journey, it makes you physically feel better, uh, which I think carries out into everything that you do in your life. And um, when you're more awake, when your body is fueled the right way, I think it completely shifts your life. Um, and then the other thing that I feel like I've up leveled is the people I surround myself with. Um, so the people who I have in my life, both personally and professionally, has shifted over the years um, because I need to be around positive thinkers. I need to be around people who uh, have my back and I have theirs and people who are encouraging um, because it's no fun to be around downers. And, and when you're around people who are downers or they complain or there's drama, it has a huge impact on um, just your own motivation. Or for me, it's my own motivation, you know, and I turn into that person that I don't want to be. So I think that those are two ways that I've really shifted in my personal life and, and doing those uh, the more I do it, the more I take care of myself, the more I surround myself with the right people, the the better I feel and the more confident I am in all of parts of my life. Mm, amen to that. <laughs> um, okay. So we've been talking about confidence. We've been talking about pricing, but I want to kind of talk about money from a higher level too, because I think it's, it's one thing to charge a premium for your work, or it's one thing to raise your prices. And it's another thing to increase your confidence. And absolutely those things go together for sure. Uh, but your relationship to money, I think is a separate thing. It's, it is absolutely possible to make more money and have a terrible relationship with money. Um, absolutely. <laughs> so how has your relationship to money in general changed since you started your business, since you started off making $9 an hour? So I think that this is a journey that I will always be on. Um, as a single mom, um, you know, I have been divorced since 2004. Um, I feel and my daughter's 16. And you know, like the last thing I want to do is pass on bad money management skills mm -hmm. and just like fear around money. Um, I have subscribed to this thought process in my head. And I know and it's still there um, that I am a single mom, I'm divorced. I, um, I, you know, as a teacher, I felt this way too. I'm not supposed to have money. I'm not supposed to be comfortable financially. I'm not supposed, I'm supposed to be bitter. And, you know, you know, like that's just this thing that I've been telling myself because that's the stereotypical sing single mom syndrome or whatever. Um, and so since I've been on this journey and as I have 
figured out better money management skills. I've started, you know, I've, I started implementing Profit First in my business last fall, um, which completely changed the way I look at, um, you know, what's coming into my business every, every month. Um, so I feel like I'm still on this journey, but I f- actually feel comfortable. Um, it's not a goal of mine to be a seven-figure business owner. I don't need to have a gigantic business. I want to be comfortable. I want to be able to travel, and I want my daughter to graduate from college uh, debt-free. So those are those are my big goals, <laughs> um, and I feel like I am totally capable of getting there. But I still, I know I still have work to do. Um, but that was the long answer. The short answer is it's completely night and day how I look at my relationship with money now versus, you know, six years ago, completely night and day. Yeah. What would you tell that uh, young upstart business owner from six years ago about uh, what she needs to think about money? Oh, gosh. Um, It's okay to invest in yourself and in your business. Um, And that's a hard question. (laughs) (laughs) I know. That's why I asked it. It's okay to invest in yourself and your business, and you need to surround yourself with the right people who will help you get get you to where you want to be, um, because it will work out. I mean, I am I am one of the least woo woo people <laughs> that I know, but it does. Things have a way of working themselves out when you work hard, when you are dedicated to what you want to do, and when you have an end goal in mind. I think that things have a tendency to work out. Yeah, I completely agree. Abby, what's next for you? What are you excited about? Oh, I am excited about um, continuing to grow. I've started offering full day intensives. I have my first one in um, a couple of weeks. I'm really looking forward to that. Um, and then just continuing to motivate other business owners and help them grow their businesses through content, through visibility, and just support and relationships. Awesome. Abby Herman, thank you so much for sharing your story of confidence and pricing and uh, just all the ways that you've up-leveled both your business and your personal life. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I hope it helps other people get in the right mindset. Find out more about Abby Herman at abbymherman.com. Now, it's your turn to get candid about confidence. We're hosting an ongoing conversation about confidence on our Instagram handle at Explore What Works. Find today's post about Abby's story and share about a time you had to raise your prices in your business. How did it feel? What did you do to make yourself more comfortable? And how did it turn out? Or you can tell us your story in your own Instagram feed or story using the hashtag Candid Confidence. Our next Candid Confidence conversation is with podcaster and coach Katie Linder. Katie has developed a coaching framework called Radical Self-Trust. We talk about how she's applied this framework to her own life and business. This episode was produced and edited by Sean McMullen. Our theme music is by The Shrugs. Find more candid conversations and personal reflections about navigating insecurity and finding the confidence to take the next step at explorewhatworks.com slash confidence.